listening to the Locked On Nuggets podcast, your daily podcast on the Denver Nuggets. Now, here is your host from denverstiffs.com, Adam Mades. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Locked On Nuggets podcast, part of the Locked On NBA Network. I'm your host, Adam Mades. For the last time from denverstiffs.com, the largest Denver Nuggets blog and community on the web. Check us out. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. A bittersweet episode of the Locked On Nuggets podcast is uh, I am here to bid farewell to a, a site that has been just such a huge part of my life um, and a group of people that have become such a big part of my life at Denver Stiff. So to help me sort of get through the show and, and to <laughs> and, may, and hopefully Oops. not to fall apart too much is the new big stiff. <laughs> the first time being called that, the new big stiff, Ryan Blackburn. Ryan, thanks for coming on. Thanks, man. It's a that has a weird ring to it. It's I've I've looked up to the big stiff for for years. It was you. For years, it was Andrew Feinstein. Man, there's there's just so much big shoes to to try and fill in this situation. And it, it's more bitter than it is sweet, man. I, I'm yeah. gonna miss you, man. Well, I'm not going anywhere, so it's not. We don't have to make this a full on wake, a few full on funeral. Over there. <laughs> it kind of does feel that way to me a little bit. You Here know? lies I mean, Adam Morris. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for sure, for sure. Um, so, in case so you might be confused, in case you, you did not know the news, I, I am stepping down from Denver Stiffs after four years, almost exactly four years, Ryan. Did, I don't know if you realize that, but I actually took over on September 20th, 2015. So it's almost exactly um, four years. Um, but I've decided to step down. There is a new opportunity. I'm not going away from Denver Nuggets coverage. You are going to still um, uh, – I, I will reemerge in a couple of weeks. I'm actually going to Italy tomorrow for two weeks with my wife to celebrate my 10-year t- anniversary. So I'm going to be off the grid for a couple of weeks. But don't fear I will be back before too long with a, mig- a big announcement and something new. We'll be covering the Nuggets. But um, my time with Denver Stiffs is coming to an end, and Ryan Blackburn will be – the interim site manager and almost certainly the 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 full-time site manager and and, and he he has and has had from the beginning my full endorsement this decision we've been it's funny it's been weird keeping this under wraps because what are we five weeks into this now yeah it's it's been it's been a long time and and you never know how exactly things are going to go like this because there's there's so much change that goes down and and I've, I've got a lot of new responsibilities now that, that you've had to brief me on over the course of the last few weeks. And so having to keep that under wraps has been kind of crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so for people that don't know, part of the point of this show is I want listeners who are also readers of Denver Stiffs to to really understand that Denver Stiffs isn't going anywhere. Even though I'm going to be moving on, um, Brendan Vogt is going to be moving on, Mike Olson as well is going to. The, the Denver Stiffs is not going anywhere, and there's a lot of great talent still there, including Ryan. But also, Ryan you Ryan has written over 500 articles. I looked it up uh, you know, a, a couple weeks ago. He's written over 500 articles for Denver Stiffs in, in how many years? Three years? It's it's just over three, yeah. So three years, five hundred articles, a ridiculous pace, by far the most over that span of anybody on the site. And he, in addition to all that, he was going to school. He's now graduated, or or basically graduated, and basically we'll call it that. Yeah. And now you get to so if you did five hundred articles when you were a full time student, what are you going to do now that you're a full time site manager? <laughs> well, I've, I have a lot of exciting things that I want to debut. Things are going to be a little bit interesting as the as the interim site manager. There's a lot of things I can't necessarily announce right now yeah. just because I I would love to announce those things when I'm a permanent guy and and when there are 
when there's a little bit more backbone behind that. Uh, but beyond that, I've, I have a lot of big plans. I want to continue to expand as a podcaster. I would love to continue to expand the different kinds of coverage on social media. And we're going we're gonna to try and reach some different audiences, and we're going to try and just hit as many of those options as we can. So, But I've, I've learned from the best, honestly. Like, there's, there's nobody better. Uh, and I'm going to be continuing to rely on Adam <laughs> while he is at his new position. We're going we're gonna, to uh, continue talking. So yeah. Denver Stiffs, again, not going anywhere. We're going to have a great time with it. This, that, the bitter part of all of this is that we're not – we're not just a site. We've really grown close. We we communicate every single day, like as a group. We have a every nice day. group chat. And um, when the season, the, the, the off season, I think is, you know, we, we, there's not a whole lot to talk about basketball-wise. But during the season, we're in there all day long just communicating with each other. And, you know, you grow these, these really, really tight bonds. And um, so it's really weird to be moving away from that, not just the outside community that we've built um, of readers and listeners and everything else, but with each other. Um, that I think we will continue, although it'll certainly evolve in, in some capacity. But, you know, Ryan, one thing about you, and, and I'm going to, like, embarrass you on this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to act like your dad. I'm <laughs> not, right. like, calling you in. <laughs> yeah. You're basically as old as my dad. Yeah. So. Oh, jeez, that hurts, Ryan. <laughs> jeez, we're being friendly today, man. What the heck? Uh, just kidding. No, uh, you're, old, you're, I'm as old as your dad. dad. That's so funny. Um, <laughs> but it's also true. Um, so, but... but uh, one of the things is that when you first started three and a half years ago, whatever it's been, you were not the writer or the basketball mind that you were that you are now. I think your writing has really taken off, and also just your ability to sort of capture what's interesting and what's important yeah. has really taken off. This summer, you've been the person in Denver, like sort of exp- like not creating narratives, but like discovering patterns and stuff in the in the in the data and and the the person that's like hey here's a thing we need to all be talking about you've been that guy well i i first of all i appreciate that the goal for this summer for me was to try and take things to a different level uh i started doing that by breaking down each of the individual rotation players at the end of the season this year and then tried to take it into just where those players need to go, where this team is going, how things are continuing to develop. And that's that's one of the things that I've I've generally prided myself on for the past few years is, you're right, that was not something that I was very good at uh, heading into this. But after spending time on this site, spending a lot of time just watching basketball, observing, I spent some time with the South Carolina basketball team, and that really right. helped me. Uh, so there, you, were work- been- you were a worker for Coach Frank Martin. Oh yeah, and, and Frank Martin worked me to the bone. It was uh, you could say great. a whipping boy for Frank Martin. Frank Martin, if you don't know, coach in South Carolina, like one of the all-time screamers. I mean, he's um, he's parallel to Bobby Knight. I would say amazing man uh, has your back and everything. I've got some great stories. I once took a I once took his mom home from the airport and drove drove her across the state. Uh, that was uh, I've got some great stories that I'll definitely be sharing off record, but. Uh, He's, I think uh, you need to share these stories person. with the, with everybody. This is great podcasting. <laughs> Driving Miss uh, uh, Davis. <laughs> oh yeah, no, she was uh, she was awesome. She's she, they're Cuban, so like it's uh, got a great accent, thick accent, but yeah. she was so nice, super super pleasant person. Did she uh, scream at you as well? Like, <laughs> no, she was, she's the mellow one in, in this whole family. Okay. But actually, Frank Martin and my, or excuse me, uh. Uh, Coach uh, Chuck Martin, his assistant, and Michael Malone actually know each other very well. Oh, so wow. So used to work together, and I thought that that was a really interesting connection. So. Have you ever told Michael Malone that? 
I never have, and I will on media day. Yeah, you have to. You have yeah, to. Because he'll, he'll definitely get a kick out of it. He'll get a huge kick out of it. Um, <laughs> that's awesome. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, uh, we're going to pick Ryan's brain a little bit about the Denver Nuggets. It'll be a great way for you, if you don't know him, if you only know me through this show, not through Denver Sis, it'll be a great opportunity for you to kind of get to know Ryan um, and what he thinks and how he sees basketball. We'll be right back. The NFL season begins next week, which means NFL Locked On NFL is going to be your network for all of your uh, NFL coverage. So if you're a Broncos fan, check out what Cordy Rourke is doing with Locked On Broncos. But if you're a fan of some other team, maybe the awful Raiders or the even more awful Patriots or the annoying Cowboys... You can get your fix. There's great shows in the in the network. It's the great thing about a network like this one is you can get a lot of different types of shows. Um, all right, Ryan. So let's talk about the Denver Nuggets here. First of all, I want to ask you about FIBA before we get to the Nuggets. Sure. So have you been watching these games at the wee hours of the morning? I watched the first Serbia game. That one was uh, that was in a good position for me to watch. A good time for me to watch at one thirty in the morning. Usually up at that point anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Uh, <laughs> But the, the second one, I only caught, caught the highlights of, but that was by far the most impressive Serbia game, I would say. they uh, 120 they something points? Like, that doesn't happen very often in FIBA. It's in 40 minutes. Like, that's, that's yeah. the equivalent of about like 140 to 150. So I did watch this game. Believe it or not, I set my alarm for 5.30, got up, sat in bed, and watched it on my laptop. And... I, so here's how the game went. To open, you know, Jokic, for whatever reason, coming off the bench. To open, Serbia looked like okay. They just, they, you could tell they were better than the Philippines, but they just weren't like getting separation. Jokic comes in and like immediately they just go on this massive run. I think he was a plus 40 in 17 minutes. Um, That's insane. The ball was popping. He was operating. And look, the Philippines are not very good. I mean, we don't have to like pretend that the, as otherwise Serbia was a lot better, but Serbia was just like in the zone, man. They just were moving the ball and just scoring every time down it. So they scored all those points, but it felt like they scored 120. It didn't, it wasn't like you looked at the scoreboard and like, Ooh, that's more than I thought. Nope. It felt <laughs> like a lot. Yeah. They being on the Serbian national team, they've, they've been together for so long. And, and that's what happens when you have a, a really solid international team that comes back. They, they play with together for a lot of the summers, uh, have a lot of these different competitions. Jokic showed off his, showed off his skills after his rookie season with the Nuggets. And that was when he put up 25 against the, the USA team. Uh, but now he's a, an established player and they're, taking him off the bench right now just so that he stays a little bit more rested but everybody else on that team they're significant nba talents i've been super impressed with bogdan bogdanovich man are you more impressed or like i mean because i've always loved this dude and i know you have you do as well yeah he's a you you know you don't ever necessarily know how a guy will project but he's only been in the league for a couple of years now he came in kind of as an older rookie so you don't really know what to expect or what his ceiling could be i think his ceiling is actually much higher than what he's shown to to be so far kind of as like a a fringe starter type i think he could actually be like a 20 point per game scorer yeah yeah i think so too um let's play bogdanovich or here (laughs) (laughs) you have to pick if you're the nuggets and you have to pick gary harris or bogdan bogdanovich Oh my gosh. Well, I mean, Gary fits so much better with the current makeup of what the Nuggets are. Like Jamal Murray is is 
an, an offensive guy, but not necessarily strong on the defensive end. So if I had to pick, I would probably go with Gary. But that's really it's it's, it's a lot closer than people think. Malik Beasley or Bogdanovich? Uh, Bogdan, for sure. Okay, um, Jeremy Grant or Bogdanovich? Oh, like <laughs> that's that's like. <laughs> mm, he's he, he's another fringe or average starter type who's seems like he would fit extremely well with Jokic. So I I think I would go with Grant. I'm okay. actually very high on what he could do this season. Okay, yeah, I am too. Um, but I like Bogdan. I like Bogdan Bogdanovich. But yeah, I'm, just like me struggling with that as much as yeah. rate of a play. Like he's a solid solid player, and this Serbian connection, this team really passes well. Yeah, I think he yeah. has grown as a passer. Uh, Jovic, the the point guard, is extremely good. Yeah, I like him. Uh, been been very impressed with that group. Yeah, they're a lot of fun. Um, the Serbians have a fun style of basketball. I think there's like the way they trust each other and move the ball. You know, Denver Denver has been so good, but I do feel like they peaked offensively a couple years ago, just from an aesthetic point of view, like not statistically, but just from like how much the ball was popping. I mean, that was my catchphrase, right? The ball is popping. I feel like I've said it so much less frequently over the last two years. Well, it's tough. You you and I have had these discussions before. Paul Millsap, while he's he's an excellent defender and has truly elevated the Nuggets to a different level, the way and the position that he fills on offense is kind of in between what Denver really needs. Either like he could be a stretch four or he could be somebody who kind of runs along the baseline and is in the dunker spot, really hitting those weak side screens. But with Paul Millsap, he's he's got those skills that are that are solid and and he's he's was an all-star for a reason with those skills but i don't know if the offense necessarily fit as well with nikola Jokic as everybody thought it was going to yeah yeah i'm I'm not necessarily as surprised by that um like again this is like a huge net positive one of my concerns about jeremy grant i don't know if you listened to the show a couple weeks ago when i was talking about jeremy grant and best and worst case scenarios like Mason Plumley is already really good next to Yoke, and Millsap is extremely good. So Jeremy Grant can be really good and still be the third best power forward on the team, you know, for for the, for the Nuggets. So it's at least possible. I don't think it'll be the case, but it's at least possible. And um, but the Millsap point, he's just so good w- w- with him, even though the offense looks a little bit less pretty and a little more clunky, and even statistically, it takes a tiny dip. Defensively, it's just so much better and it's so much more sustainable and consistent that. It, it makes sense, but there is certainly 100%. that there is certainly that part of you where you think, as much as I love Millsap, I hope he only plays like twenty three, twenty four minutes this year. Yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see because he doesn't necessarily fit extremely well with Plumlee either, right? As as, a, as an offensive pairing, so I think he fits better with Jokic in that regard, and Grant probably fits better with Plumlee in that regard. Yeah. Uh, so that that just may be the natural progression of what we see. But in in my opinion, I think Denver reaches another level offensively if they put in Grant. And and that I don't know if that's a hot take. Uh, they may struggle defensively, but I actually think that they could be the top three offense in the NBA. I mean, I think they should be. I, I honestly think Denver's talent is top three. Agreed. So, um, so I'm interested. Let me go this direction. You wrote an article this week. You've been doing some great series and some different. But you had a Denver Nuggets breakout candidates, and yeah. you listed five players, but one of them was Jeremy Grant. What are the odds that Jeremy Grant has – last year was sort of a breakout year for him, so he's kind of already had that. But what are the odds that in this new system with, with Jokic and everything else, he has an, 
even where he finished the season last year, he has a another level that he hits this year, and it becomes a breakout year. I think if if you're going like percentages per se, I think it's probably like a thirty or forty percent chance. It's not above fifty or anywhere really close above that. But to me, I see his game factoring in as as a recipient of what Jokic does best. He is a pick and roll big who then hits on the short roll and Jeremy Grant's either in the corner and is going to catch a three. Remember, he shot over 40% from the corner over this past year. And that's something that all of the guys, I think, in Denver's offense need to be able to do. And Jeremy Grant does that really well. But he also has the ability to just maneuver along the baseline and hit those short rolls dunks that that Jokic likes to dump off and and then go above the rim for alley-oops and I think there's a little bit more to Jeremy Grant's game both offensively and defensively that could be teased out uh we're, we're just gonna have to see if that happens and if Denver gives him the opportunity to try and do that but I think it's a possibility that he's starting by the end of the year I don't know if that's yeah. a if that's a hot take but he's I think he's going to be the best fit with Jokic what's interesting is that that's not a hot take but it's also still unlikely it's like it's in that i think it to me it's in that spot where it's like yeah i don't yeah. think that's gonna happen but you know i guess yeah it's within I think the realm it of possibility would, it would be out of character i think for denver to go away from what has really worked and to try and, and experiment with something like that but you never know you never know what how the season will hold and and maybe Millsap sustains an injury that holds him out for a week or two and it just turns out that Grant fits really well in that place, and they decide to go a different direction. I want to ask you another one about, about Jamal Murray, because you did a really cool thing in that same piece where you looked at um, Jamal Murray, Steph Curry, Damian Lillard, James Harden's shot chart all together, right? And yeah. when you do stuff like that, it creates really interesting contrast because you kind of see like, okay, who are the outliers? And, and obviously Jamal Murray's an outlier there. You're talking about three all-stars, two uh, MVPs, I mean – Sure. Murray's not in that category yet. But the big thing, that, there's two things that stand out when you look at that. Number one, those guys, Lillard, Curry, and Harden, they're on fire from behind the three-point line at almost every spot. I mean, there's maybe the left corner or whatever they're not good at. Whereas Murray, you know, he's really good from the top of the key and from the left wing, but that right wing actually kind of bad. Yeah. Um, and then the other, th- I think the biggest thing is just the shots at the rim. Jamal Murray, that's the area where he has to grow the most is finishing at the rim because you look at guys like um, Steph Curry, certainly, but even James Harden and, and, and Damian Lillard, they're really, really effective when they get to the rim at finishing, and they get there all the time. And that's that's the big thing about being a superstar is you have to figure out a way as a guard to be able to generate that space and to be able to always have those moves to be able to get to the rim and too often I think that I think Denver's offense actually kind of leads to this a little bit more frequently than people like the dribble handoff offense leads to it a little bit more uh Murray settles for a lot of pull-up jumpers and that's a skill that he has developed pretty reasonably well like uh from 16 to three-point range he shot 46 percent this past year which is really good that is a really really solid number but that's only 0.92 points per possession and when you can get to the rim and do something similar you're going to have a much better percentage and that's just a kind of a fact of and the of the numbers that it's one of the reasons why James Harden has broken out in such a way that he does is because he kind of manipulates that a little bit more. 
And it's become a cliche to talk about the mid-range, you know, like almost like, okay, you know, put your calculator away. But what what I think the big point about the mid-range is not that it's a bad shot or whatever. It's just that it's not – it shouldn't be a steady diet, uh, you know, a main if – it's, if it's the main target of your audience. If you're trying to get shots in the mid-range, then you're probably not doing something right unless you're Kevin Durant or Steph Curry or one of these like super hyper elite guys from those zones – but it's not that you shouldn't take them. It's just that you should be trying to get to the rim or you should be dry, trying to create drive-and-kick situations, and then your fallback is the mid-range. And it seems like yeah. for Murray, it's not always necessarily the fallback. It's almost maybe a little bit more uh, of his game than it needs to be. And as you mentioned, it's you're not saying he's not good at it. It's just that you have to be so ridiculously great at it to make up for not getting to the rim. And it's not so much about him taking mid-range. It's that he's not converting or getting to the rim as much as the other guys and that that's the thing you're kind of highlighting oh and i think that he actually is is really close to being at that mid-range assassin level like that that cj mccollum level where you just cannot leave him open at that range that in itself could create some of those open jumpers at the rim however murray shot over 60 percent at the rim uh, the first two years of his career, then dropped under that this past year. I, I don't know if this past year was necessarily the best indicator of that. When you have Gary Harris injured, Will Barton wasn't there to really take the load off a little bit more. You had Torrey Craig in there, Mason Plumley in there as, as kind of a guy at the rim for a lot of the season. Uh, I think this year he's going to have better opportunities with more of a spaced floor and some of the similar guys around him that he's a little bit more comfortable with the Gary Harris's, the Will Bartons, maybe even Malik Beasley a little bit more. And he's going to have an opportunity to really get to the rim a little bit and finish at a higher clip. You look at Steph Curry's shot chart and it's hilarious how many like super deep threes there are. Insane, right? <laughs> Insane. And he's above average. <laughs> every every spot yeah, every he, single one that dude is uh is just an enigma we'll take a break when we come back on the other side we're going to talk about some of the other key storylines for the nuggets and sort of wrap this up as we hand the baton over from myself to ryan blackburn taking over for denver Stips. we'll be right back I want to talk about this altitude thing because it's actually I, I did a show on it last week um, to end the week and you know I think going into the weekend there was probably a little bit more optimism on my part now I got to say I don't really know anything about the you know this is this is purely I'm not reporting on anything I'm going off of the reports that are already out there Mike Singer of the Denver Post has done a great job I think of of kind of sharing Comcast perspective altitudes perspective and laying this out there. But I did want to comment on it because I don't know how you feel, Ryan, but I'm starting – I think the tone has shifted a little bit. And I actually think that I – don't, I don't think we're going to miss games. I just – the league I don't think will allow that to happen. But I do right. wonder if this is going to affect the way that Altitude is able to cover the Denver Nuggets this year. If they are, as they have reported uh, or it has been reported, being offered 50%, basically – cutting their pay in half if that's the offer even if you negotiate that up to say 60 or 70 percent does that mean that altitude's going to have to lay off some staff and if not staff or maybe in addition to laying off staff are they going to have to cut back on some of their coverage i'm starting to wonder if this isn't just going to resolve itself the way these things always do if there's actually some real tangible fallout consequences from this 
Well, it's certainly possible. You never you never know how these things are going to play out at, at the outset, and, and things could change during the course of these discussions, and maybe some of the initial discussions aren't being had anymore, or, or there's a completely different dynamic being thrown out there. But there are so many talented people at Altitude that you really hope that they can bounce back and, and land on their feet in that situation, and because they do a lot of great things. There are a lot of great programs there on top of just the games that they that they continue to do in, in promoting this team. So yeah. you have to hope that they, that they are in the best position possible to put out great content. Yeah. Yeah, so I we'll have to follow that one, but it's one of those stories that I, I'm I'm a little less confident than I was, I guess, a few days ago. Um, let me ask about Juan Jordan Gomez. First of all, have you watched his games or highlights or anything? Um, I have. For what, what's he your takeaway? He looks awesome. <laughs> he's a <laughs> he's a monster, man. Uh, he he's just kind of fits into the overall dynamic of that team really well. Uh, Rubio has done a great job of facilitating. Marcus All doesn't take a ton of shots, but when he does, they usually go in. And that that team has a lot of solid scores and just a a good sense of where everybody should be on the floor at a specific time. I don't know what their ceiling is because I don't think their their top end NBA talent is at its best right now. Mm. But they could they could certainly make it as far as the semifinals. Yeah, I, I actually kind of like Spain. <laughs> I'm kind of rooting for a Spain Serbia final, and I know that's weird. Um, by the way, I have to mention this. I, I've been all about, oh, I'm rooting for Serbia, this or that. And I, and I certainly am. Like, just watching Jokic, it, it's funny, man. You, you appreciate Jokic more in the offseason, I think, when you've gone months <laughs> without seeing him play. Yeah. It's like, oh, my God, this guy's so fun. How have I forgotten? But um, seeing Team USA lose, I know this is old news now, but seeing him lose that exhibition against Australia, I actually felt upset. I didn't think I would, but I was kind of bummed. Yeah, I didn't really feel upset. I know that this is a you didn't or ex- did I did not. Okay, uh, it it's an exhibition game. First well, of yeah, all, of course they yeah. are they are trying to work out different rotations, yeah. work in a bunch of new people that haven't been a part of Team USA before. So they're going to get this on track, and I think that uh, unfortunately, an old old face Donovan Mitchell is probably going to have a, a lot to say about that. But if they like, I actually don't really like what they're doing on offense at all i think that they they're yeah. kind of just getting by on talent alone and settle for a bunch of mid-range jumpers which is gross it's kind of gross to watch i don't understand why i get that the whole familiarity thing and all this but these guys are great basketball players i'm always interested in why they look so clunky I don't expect them to be able to like be throwing no look passes to each other and this or that, but like I do expect just general ball movement. It doesn't seem like it'd be that hard to to get. But Team USA, not just this one, but even some of the better versions of them, have always dominated with defense and talent and right. athleticism. And and they very rarely have they been the team that's like, oh man, look at them move the ball and cut and everything else. So um, something to look at. Who's the best player on Team USA? Uh, Jesus, like that's like. It's probably asking like which Jack is the best in the deck. Like, <laughs> exactly. uh, isn't this? A, but isn't this a real problem? I mean, like if yeah, I asked you that for most of the problem. teams, you know, it's easy. But with oh, them, yeah. it's like I don't know. Like who's their who's their identity? I think that Popovich would like like uh, basically a lot of the reporting out of out of that camp. Uh, Brian Windhorst did a great article for ESPN. He uh, he talked a lot about Donovan Mitchell and how. Yeah. 
Popovich was wanting him to be the leader, a 22-year-old to be a leader on a team that was full of veterans, guys that had been to the All-Star game, people like that. And I think that that's probably their identity. It's the it's the your turn, my turn version of Kemba Walker and Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. But that's kind of a worse version of Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. So <laughs> I don't know how that's going to work or if that's going to like get them past any of the top talent, but we're going to, we're going to just have to see. I'm pulling for Serbia. I want to see it happen. Yeah, I, want, I, I mean, I, I will feel very conflicted too, because it feels weird to root against USA, but as you mentioned, no, and, and you, you've talked about this before. You do not have to show your nationalism or your <laughs> right. patriotism with your basketball supporting. Right. Like that is, there's way better ways to be proud of your country than for that. Oh, 100%, 100%. Um, Going to go back to your article and some of the breakout candidates. One of the most interesting players on the team this season, in my opinion, is Malik Beasley. Um, yeah. What? Just where do you see him in the rotation, and what what should we expect from him? Because I thought he was really good last year. Like he sort of made a leap. Does he have another leap in him? Do you think he's better than he has shown? Well, it's it's right now his leap is kind of within the confines of what a role player is supposed to be. He was a spot-up guy, got somebody who cut yeah. off the ball, was a transition threat. But he made his bones by being an offensive scorer, an offensive shooter, and didn't do a lot else. And I think that he has to do a lot else in order to kind of make that next jump, whether that's growing as a defender. He really struggled against CJ McCollum in the playoffs, whether that's uh, – uh, growing as a playmaker, he he averages less than two assists a game, and and that's that's somebody who handles the ball in Denver's offense as much as a shooting guard probably needs to have at least some sort of playmaking if they want to work with Jokic a little bit. Yeah, I will say him and Wancho both have the thing going in their favor in that they're not going to average a ton of assists, but they're also not going to turn it over a bunch. And there's right. some, there's a value to that too in that when they catch the ball, they know the two things they're supposed to do and if they're not open just get it back to somebody else and and i like that it's better than like a trey lyles who also maybe not generating a ton of assists but didn't you just felt like he was never doing the right thing or you know he was kind of always doing a different thing than whatever he was playing a different song than everybody else yeah but you've talked you've talked kind of as as the denver nuggets offense like the ideal Jokic offense surrounding him has three yep. ball handlers guys oh, yep, who can sure. run the dribble handoff i think that malik beasley has to be one of those guys if he wants to grow his role a little bit yeah. and he could see some of that time at small forward too like uh, the the Houston Rockets run three guards basically, and that's that's what they've been doing with Eric Gordon as well, their small forward. Beasley and Barton are pretty much the same size. Barton might be like a slightly longer, like longer mm-hmm. arms or something, but it might just be that he's skinnier. To be honest with you, I mean Beasley. Yeah, I, you factor in the athleticism. Beasley's basically the same size. If Beasley can continue to get stronger, can continue to kind of maintain his defensive position against some of those big threes, like he's never going to be a guy who wins that matchup consistently. And that's fine, but you just have to know that going in. And then the hope would be for a Murray Harris Beasley kind of guard trio to just make the Nuggets offense unstoppable. And I think that they could do that. There's there's no doubt in my mind. Yeah. All right. Let's wrap this up, Ryan. With uh, you love player rankings. It's it, it's one difference between me and you. Is I hate player rankings and you love them, but uh, they can be fun. And I think this will be fun. I want you to rank the Nuggets in order from best to worst, based on if we assume they are all healthy, how they perform in the final month of the season. So I'm basically asking you to rank the players, but not now at the end of the season. 
at the end of the season. Okay. Or heading so, into the playoffs, I should say. That's fine. Um, let's go with um, – we're going to go with Jokic 1. I think solid, that that's solid a choice. pretty solid choice. Uh, took you longer, gonna, though. It took you a little too long to come up with that one. I'm, gonna, I'm docking you, you know, a point. I, I was just going to assume that uh, – uh, uh, no, I'm not going to say that. But <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with Jamal Murray too. Okay. I think that that's a probably a hot take on this podcast. However, I think that he will be doing some growing. I don't think and it's I a hot of, take. I do not yeah. think that's a hot take. I I kind of just believe in his skill set and what he's going to do. Yeah. Uh, I think Gary Harris will be third. I think Jeremy Grant will be fourth. Woo! We're getting spicy now. I like it. Jeremy yeah. Grant fourth. This feels like good news for the Nuggets. I think I think so. I think I've, I've wrote about lineups in the past, and one of the lineups I wrote about was kind of the twenty twenty future lineup, and that includes Jeremy Grant and Michael Porter Jr. So, uh, yeah. if if that happens, that's a that's a pretty big deal. Uh, I think that number five is Paul Millsap. Okay. Uh, number six is Will Barton. Oh, okay. So you you see a bounce back year for Barton? Yeah, I think I I don't see any reason why he should be as bad as he was over the course of the last 40 games or so of the season. Like he's, he's going to get better. Like there's, right. there's no doubt in my mind that he's going to recover at least something. And, and his playmaking is, is a high floor for what he does. Um, seven would be, let's go with uh, Malik Beasley. Okay. That's okay. It's kind of, kind of hot, but I, I think is that it? he's actually, well, well yeah. I think Monte Morris yeah. is, would be my, and I think that you can make yeah. an argument for Monty Morris as high as like five. I, I agree. Actually, now that you say that, I, 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 yeah. Yeah, I do think so. But I, I do think that Malik Beasley will be better. Okay. Monte Morris. And then the next one, probably Tory Craig at nine. Ooh, okay. Uh, Is he? Yeah. It, okay. Yeah. Uh, Mason Plumley at 10. Wow. Sorry, man. You're not a big, well, you're not a big MPJ believer. I take it. Well, not not this season. I, I think that he'll be better. I think he'll be fine. But, like, every rookie sucks at the beginning. So it's really fine. Uh, and then we'll go. You got Chanchar. You got Wancho. Yeah, I'll go Wancho at 11. Uh, Porter at 12. Uh, and then we got Chanchar and Bull Bull, I think. Is that it? I think you might Or Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt. Van- yeah, Vanderbilt, too. And then we'll go Vanderbilt, Chanchar, and Bull Bull. Okay. Yeah, like I mean, Bull Bull. Just I don't, I don't think he's gonna play. So it's not. Yeah, it's hard to rank him. Yeah, it's hard to rank him. Man, that's interesting. So you go: Jokic, Murray, Harris, Grant, Millsap, Barton, Beasley, Monte, Craig, Plumley, Wancho, MPJ, Vanderbilt, Chanchar, Bull. That's an interesting but, list. But here's the thing: here's here's the thing about Denver's roster. Like, I think you have to have Jokic, Murray, and Harris at the top three at the end of this next season in some order. So I think that's my order. Wancho, Mur- Jokic, Murray, Harris. So that's why you, you would said- put Wancho at one. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, for real. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jokic, Murray, Harris, I think is one, two, three. I think that's – and only because I think Millsap plays significantly less. Actually, you know, let me change this. I'm, I, I'm already going to change it. I know it's terrible. I'm going to go Jokic, Murray, Millsap, Harris – but that Harris will be more impactful. I just I think Millsap like will be a better player if he were to play as many minutes. Interesting. Um, okay. Um, so I'm gonna go there. After that, it's interesting. I think I might go. Man, I, I really am a big fan of Montes, and it's weird to rank him ahead because his like ceiling is really low. It's not like he's getting a lot better, but he's just so consistently good at what he does. Yeah, I, I and, might put and him I there. wouldn't. Uh, I me putting him 
eight is is not necessarily a a bad thing for him specifically like i think the denver's roster four through nine is really similar across the board so that's what makes him so good yeah yeah it's that's it's it's like it's apples and oranges or what what whatever makes it work like it's fine Uh, it's all good so i would go gary harris monte morris will barton malik beasley and then after there's where you get really, really dicey. I think I'm going to go Wancho because I'm such a big believer in him and just wow. like what he brings. Then I'm going to go MPJ. Um, and then after that, it kind of, you know, I think Plumlee, um, he was really, really good. But what role does he have on the team this year? You know, I think that kind of factors into it. And then after that, yeah, your last three. I would probably. You, where would, do you list Grant? Oh, gosh, dang it. You're right. I forgot him. Okay. So I have to give him after Harris. I, I'm gonna go him after Harris. Actually, you know okay. what? Yeah, I'll go him after Harris. I'll go him after Harris. I really like Jeremy Grant a lot. I really think he's gonna be super impactful. Like that that dude knows where to be. He's gonna hustle. Malone's gonna play him. Yeah. All right, here's a hot take. I'll give you my one hot take. All right, let's go. After Plumley, but ahead of Chanchar and Vando, is Bull Bull. I, I don't Whoa. think he plays a whole lot. I don't think he plays a whole lot. But you know what? I think he's. Wow. In, I think there's gonna be some games where he's in Delaware and he's gonna have like. 25 points, seven block shots. You know what I mean? Like on, on 12 oh shots and yeah. four for five. I think he's going to have some crazy <laughs> games where you look at it and you go, oh, man, he made five threes last night with six block shots. I think he's going to have some of those. That would be insane. Can you can you imagine a, a Jokic ball ball center rotation down the line? That, so, that just he, Here's insane. a fun one. We're going long, but I've been thinking about this lately. If yeah. you had to pick one of them to reach their true potential, would you pick MPJ or ball ball? Oh, well, wow. That's that's fascinating because I don't think that Bol Bol and Jokic can play together. So why I would not? go Why with, not? Why not? Uh, because I don't think the Bol Bol's mobile enough. Just so you don't even think the best version of him is? I don't think so. But, okay. but hey, because I just think he's so long and lanky that I just don't see that. Like, I don't see him being able to move on the perimeter as well as you probably do. Yeah. Uh, but so I would, I would by definition pick Porter because I think that having guys that can play on the court at the same time is really important. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Definitely. <is. laughs> I think I would go in PJ too. And I think it actually is probably pretty easy, but you know what? If bowl bowl and Jokic did work and bowl bowl was this like 40% volume three point shooter who also blocked shots and moved his feet well and like turned out Insane. to be like seven foot five or something. <laughs> Cause remember he's young. He's only like he's eight, still growing. 19. So if he's like seven foot five, 40% three point shooter with like decent mobility, yeah, just the, the idea of that. And Jokic. Yeah. And the idea of him and Jokic together, it's just like, man, yeah, I'll take that. That's goofy I, as hey, heck, but I, I'll take it. I hear you. I think goofy as possible is the way to go in this situation. Like just, just lean into the weirdness that comes with the Jokic offense. It's all good. Yeah. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed this show. I hope that you enjoyed my, my tenure at at the helm of, of denverstiffs.com. I certainly really enjoyed it and I'm going to miss it a lot. I mean, this is, I've talked to Ryan about this and the other guys at Denver stiffs. This, it really feels weird um, to be leaving. I think, you know, and, and I'm excited to unveil some of the stuff that I have in the works, and and I do feel like it was the right choice. It's not like I'm having second thoughts or anything, but it's just a weird, a weird feeling to be walking away from something that I've just put so much passion and time and energy and thought and love and care into. And um, but it does certainly help that uh, I'm leaving it in the hands of somebody I care about very much in Ryan, but also somebody who I know is going to give it. I mean, Denver Stiff to run it right 
needs to be taken as a, a, a passion project. You have to put a bunch of love into it. And I know with, beyond the shadow of a doubt that Ryan is going to be doing that. And I hope that everybody here is excited for him um, and, and will follow along to all he's doing. So, Ryan, best of luck to you. Best of luck to you, sir. Man, it's going to be great. I, I can't wait to see what you guys do over there. I appreciate it, man. Um, for everybody else, uh, I will be – actually, I'll be out of town. TJ McBride is taking over the Locked On Nuggets podcast. If you don't follow him, you can I'll, – I'll put a descri- his link in the description of the show as well. He's going to take it over while I'm in Italy, and then I'll be back um, – uh, you know, a week or two before the media day and training camp kicks off. So when I get back, it's like go time. It's time to start um, getting ready for the Denver Nuggets season. But over the next couple weeks, TJ will be taking care of you. And, of course, check out denverstiffs.com and, and give Ryan a follow. Thanks so much, everybody, for all the support and everything. And I'll see you in a couple weeks. Thank you for listening to the Locked on Nuggets podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and visit us on the web at denverstiffs.com.